Open Radio. Your hosts, Rich Story and Chris Honholtz, joining you on this. Well, look, it's Monday, December 11th. <laughs> okay, we did really try to go for last week. But as anybody who's been paying attention to the weather issues in the South, well, we're just glad Rich is not in the land of Oz. Okay, the weather down there can get pretty tricky, so we had to bump things out to the to tonight. So thank you for being patient with that. Always grateful for you guys. Uh, you know, number one that you tune in and you take the time to listen, but also that you are. Uh, pretend to be patient with us when we have these little hiccups that uh, keep us from recording uh, at the times we would like. So, but again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us. We hope the show tonight will be very helpful to you. We're going to talk about a, a subject that was actually referred to us by one of our listeners. We'll get into that in just a minute want to remind you that we are part of the Christian podcast community, which is basically a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ who are biblically sound, who have come together to put out good content, biblical content for uh, Christians to listen to, and to help one another improve our quality of our programs, but also to cross-promote so that you know that there's more good stuff out there. It's in a, in a sea of podcasts it's nice to know that there are some that you, a place you can go to find good, sound, quality stuff that you're going to be uh, you're going to be edified by. So we always encourage you to do that. In fact, one of the things that the Christian podcast community does is a monthly uh, podcast called Theology Throwdown that I was blessed to finally be part of uh, ever since ever since we joined the Christian podcast community because Andrew records them on Mondays at about. 4 p.m. Pacific, and I was always at work. <laughs> so there was no way to be part of it, except now that I'm retired, I finally made one. And it may be the only time I get to, because once I go back to this other job, which is sub subject for another time, uh, that may be the only time you get to catch me on there. But we actually talked about Christmas traditions, which I think was a really good discussion, where basically uh, it was about a half dozen of us got together and talked about, you know, what are what are Christmas traditions? Are they biblical? Is it something Christians can do? What are the problems? What are the concerns? And I think it was a really great roundtable discussion. Uh, we will put that in the show notes. But if you just look up uh, theology throwdown Christmas traditions, or you go to uh, podcast.strivingforeternity.org, which is the Christian podcast community, you will find it uh, in there under Theology Throwdown. would highly recommend you listen to it, especially given this time of year. And there's so much discussion. Oh my, is there so much discussion about, uh, about Christmas uh, and Christians participating in it. All I can tell you is, please, if you post a picture of your Christmas tree on Twitter, be prepared for modern-day Judaizers to arrive. And I'm not joking. They are literal modern-day Judaizers. Like, you better be keeping the Torah. You better be keeping the Sabbath. Um, and then some weird divergent beliefs, like Jesus isn't God. Um, but they, they, they are haunting Twitter right now. If you put a Christmas tree up, on Twitter, they'll show up. I, it's kind of like saying Beetlejuice three times. I'm not joking. They just do. So, but um, there's so much discussion. And I think this was a good roundtable discussion. And, uh, and and in that vein, I just told this to Rich and Pre-Show, I actually get to be on with Keith Foskey, Conversations with a Calvinist, tomorrow for his program. And uh, there's going to be a couple of us on with him. And we're going to talk about <laughs> Christmas, uh, Christmas-related topics, including Christmas trees and gift giving and stuff. So uh, we, once that comes out, we'll let you guys know and we'll share that. And, and in fact, Keith's usually pretty good. He uh, is, is is happy to allow us to record. We may make that as a special episode drop down for you guys to listen to as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely put all that out for you. So so grateful to have you with us. So uh, so blessed. Please don't forget that you. Um, can go to our website, slave to the king.com. That's your one-stop shop for all things, uh, voice of reason radio. It's where you can contact us. That's where you can, you know, get links to social media. That's where you can, if we do articles, it'll be on there. Uh, our podcast is on there. videos as they come up from our YouTube page. We'll also post there. If I remember how to do it, right. Uh, <laughs> The IT department is me, just so you know. The webmaster, that's me. Uh, the, you get what you pay for. 
we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but with that said, um, we really encourage you to go there. That's how you'll find the links to everything and how you can you know, subscribe to the page and be kept abreast of anything new that comes out. We really do want you, by the way, to check out our YouTube page. Look, we're not monetized, so we're not worried about uh, YouTube demonetizing us for what we say. We weren't going to make any money on it anyway. So we would love for you to check it out, though, because we're trying. I'm trying to put more stuff. Hopefully, Rich and I might even, if I can convince him to get on a camera, uh, might do some stuff on there together. But uh, we we want to make more use of the tools that we've been blessed with and hopefully help other people whose maybe audio format isn't their thing. Maybe they like video. So we want to maybe put some stuff on there. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll put that in the show links, but if you go to uh, it's youtube.com and look for voice of reason radio, I think you'll, you'll find that, uh, you know, and by the way, look for the logo, the VOR with the radio waves, uh, we didn't do good market research when we started this show seven and a half years ago. We didn't know Voice of Reason was something that was used for politics or atheism. Sorry. <laughs> so make sure you look for the logo. But we'll also put it in this week's show notes as well so you know to where to find that. Uh, but we really would encourage you to check those things out. So as always, I'm going to ask my brother Rich, how are you doing this week, brother? Oh, brother, is always better than I deserve. Amen. And by the way, thank you, Wyatt. How are you doing this week? <laughs> you threw me off. I wasn't ready. <laughs> uh, now, see, you put me on the spot. I can't even do it. <laughs> well, this is a running joke between me and Chris. Um, if you want to know the whole story behind it, you'll just have to keep tuning in. Somewhere down the road, we'll share it. But we're the tombstone of pot Christian podcasts, but... Anyhow, how are you, brother? <laughs> I'm, I'm well. Aside from getting uh, slammed by everybody who disliked my my tweet about I don't like the word "based," and I think it has contributed to some really contentious and pugnacious behavior on Twitter, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I had some interesting people on my Twitter feed today. <laughs> well, isn't that pretty much every day? Because <laughs> You know, you, you're 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 pretty well known on, on Twitter nowadays, and used to I I would attract all the weirdos, but lately it seems like <laughs> it flip flopped over to your to your forte, and you get all the weirdos coming to you nowadays. Yeah, I've I've had my share. I really have had my share. I'm not joking when I said there were literal Judaizers who got mad at my po picture of a Christmas tree, but today was was interesting. I just it's this would be a good topic for another time or maybe a video recording. Um, a lot of people on the internet they love to like to use the word "based," which is like, "Wow, dude, that's really based. Like, that's cool," or "That was an awesome, you know, uh, punch in the face takedown," or "That was that was hardcore." And um, I, I've seen that used by a very pugnacious side of Christian Twitter, and it seems to be like. That's what we're looking for. Now. Instead of godliness or holiness in our walk, we're looking to be based, you know? And I'm like, this has just been just so destructive to our attitudes on, on social media. And I got called a lot of mean things by people who apparently consider themselves based. <laughs> so that's like the new Christian slang. Oh, yeah. Which means, you know, like based, that means that you're, you're, I guess if I called you base, that means that you're solid or good. I, I think so. Um, I also think it tends to, uh, Oh, see, here's another one. Somebody not happy with me. Um, this is the, I, I should like Dr. White. I should not have Twitter up while we're recording. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like the, I think a good way to describe it is if anybody's seen the video of the, the gentleman running for prime minister up in Canada, who's sitting there chomping on an apple as this news reporter is trying to paint him into a corner. And the, the politician is having none of it. And he's just like, okay, explain that. Okay. Who said that? 
What do you mean by that? I don't understand. And he's just pushing back and pushing back and pushing back as he's sitting there casually eating this apple. People would refer to that as based, as as in you, you just did a hardcore takedown on this reporter. You pushed back, put him in the corner, and now he's on his heels. And it, it's kind of the best way I could explain it. Or when uh, you know you see uh, some. You know, maybe it's uh, Tucker Carl Tucker Carlson doing a a, a a smackdown on some liberal from his program. And, oh man, that's based. That's kind of that contentious. We want to get in the fight. You 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 really did something hardcore against the other side and let them know they're dumb. That's kind of what I've been seeing from it. In other words, cool man. That was pretty groovy. Yes, maybe something like that. <laughs> I'm old. I'm not. I, I haven't <laughs> kept up on the modern day slang. Yeah, I, I you know, can't I, keep. I grew it. up. I was just because I grew up watching Happy Days and you know those old shows. So yeah, you, you, sometimes you have to speak in ways that <laughs> I can understand. Yeah. Dude. yeah, well, dude. I you and you and I would be called boomers by the people who didn't like my tweet. So <laughs> yeah, well, the problem is that all right. If you're going to call someone and use a generational application, you need to understand the age demographics yes. for each of those terms. Neither Chris nor I would be a boomer. Nope. Boomers are older than what we are. Yes. Chris and I would be generational. Generation X. We are Generation Gen X. X. Basically, there's nothing really, well, Actually, we grew up with the MTV and electronics and the age of computers, and you know, we we, we were the cool generation. I think we were the generation that went from what the boomers didn't have to what everybody now takes for granted. So we were kind of that transition point. Yeah, we're it's our fault. The world is the way it is today. And that's what we they've been telling me today. These, <laughs> and we grew up with all these cool, nifty devices and stuff. And we grew up spoiling our children who now have the children of their own. And, you know, our generation invented the whole everyone gets a trophy and you're all winners and all these other old dead tired cliches that have completely ruined sports and the world and everything else. Basically, most of the problems today are actually our generation's fault. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that our generation did make a lot of errors. But let me also say, if you're part of the current generation and you look at Rich and I and say, well, it's because you failed. I'm sorry. Aren't you an adult at this point and you're responsible for your actions before the Lord? Just saying. So anyway, we should probably get on to our topic tonight. <laughs> well, we, we had, you know, we, we love getting feedback from our listeners and we love getting mail from our listeners. Sadly, it doesn't really happen all that often. But a couple of, two or three weeks ago, one of our listeners was trying to reach us. And they wanted to comment, but none of the little comment boxes on the streaming platforms were long enough. And they were wanting to know how to get in touch with us. And someone replied about our Contact Us page. And then I replied to the listener with our email address. My first thought when I was reading all this and was watching it unfold, I was like, oh, no. What if Chris and I have done now? Mm -hmm. Someone's wanting to respond, and it is going to be so long that they cannot use the comment box. And I was a little apprehensive, but we were really actually truly blessed by the email we received from this brother. And I don't know if we should share his name or not. On, on social media, he goes by Savage, so I'm just going to refer to him as Savage. He knows who I'm talking about. Do you think it'd be all right to give his Twitter handle? Yeah, uh, you guys can find him at, uh, at SavagelyAverage. That's S-A-V-A-G-E-L-Y-A-V as in Victor G. Savagely Average. And he's a good brother, a good follow. Really recommend you guys check him out. Well, I'm, I'm not going to read his entire email. But he had an episode suggestion, and he had wrote, he wrote, I've been in multiple conversations lately about praying for mundane things, like when you see someone ask for prayer for their common cold, hangnail, or something that seems very trivial 
to lay before the Lord. I contend that he wants us to pray for even the most minute and mundane things, but in the past, I would have considered such prayer requests to be annoying and not worth the time. I know that there are others out there who think that too. Um, and Chris and I were discussing it and thought it would make pretty interesting topic for tonight's <coughs> conversation. You know, are there situations or are there things that we should not go before the Lord in prayer because they are so small or so minute, or we think this is something that we should not pray for because it is such a small, tiny thing. Um, and Chris and I will unfold this conversation as we go forward. But, um, you know, that's something that has crossed my mind at times in the past. Typically, and I'll confess this to Chris and well, the hundreds of you, not hundreds, the tens of you listening to this episode, <laughs> Um, there are times where I feel uncomfortable praying for certain situations or praying for help for myself. I deal with a lot of issues because of my disability and pain and, and chronic insomnia and different things. I don't know why, but I have always felt guilty about going to the Lord in prayer, asking to help me in some of these situations. It makes me feel selfish that the time I spend in prayer, I should be asking for help for other people or giving thanks or asking for the pray and ask Lord grant salvation to certain family members or something. And it's something I've struggled with. And I know that there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking the Lord to help me personally in certain situations and certain things. Um, but before we really get into this deep, would you like to add anything at this point, brother? I, I, I think you're on a good track as far as that goes. Um, it is one of those things. Prayer is one of those discussions that I think most of us don't get into a lot about. Um, maybe because we're not exactly sure how to respond to it. We're not sure if our understanding of it is the right thing or we lack understanding of how we should be praying. And I, I this episode won't be an expository examination of prayer. <laughs> That's... I'll be honest, that's outside my, my, my wheelhouse. It's something that would take a lot of time to, to get into. But I think we want to try to, you know, kind of narrow in on this idea of is, a, is there such a thing as a, a, a prayer that's too small uh, or, or, or a prayer? You shouldn't say that or pray that because it's just too, it's too little for God. It's, it's unimportant. I think we want to talk about that for sure. But it's something I think as Christians, we don't discuss enough and we need to make more time for, and we certainly all need to be more dedicated to prayer in our lives because that's us coming to the Lord. That's our direct communication to the Lord who redeemed us. The idea that we don't do it enough, it's, um, and, and let me just say, there's not, we never do anything enough. That's why we need Christ. But it's something that maybe we study a lot, maybe we evangelize a lot, maybe we disciple a lot, maybe we do a lot of things. But the one thing that see, I think most of us are not really adept at is making that time for prayer. And so hopefully this will encourage you a little bit as we go into it tonight. So I'll hand it back to you, brother, before we go any further there. Well, when we talk about small prayers, we're not talking about these flippant players, flippant prayers, and that's a discussion for another time. We will include in our show notes a link by John Knox. It was a really good little ebook from Mongerism on prayer written by John Knox. I found it pretty interesting and pretty beneficial, but you know, I know whether we admit it or not, there's times we all struggle with prayer. Mm -hmm. I know for myself more times than it should be that I need to pray, I just don't want to. I have to fight and struggle to pray. I set out trying to improve this spiritual discipline years ago and started down a path of taking a set time each day to pray. Um, at that point, it was three different times during the day that I set aside for prayer to help 
get me in the habit of praying to make me focus on prayer. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was two or three years ago I posted on our website about um, establishing a habit of prayer. I forget what the title was. But anyway, you know, that, and it's something, it's just like, well, evangelizing or reading our Bible. We have to establish and get into a routine and get into a habit of doing it to where it becomes more and more natural. Um, needless to say, for most of us, if we're honest with ourselves and we're honest before God, if there were not times of tragedy or affliction or sickness in our lives, would we ever even go to the Lord in prayer? Mm -hmm. And if we're honest, our, our answer would be no. If it was not, if there were not these times <coughs> of sickness and tragedy and you know, afflictions and facing this trial or that trial, more times than not, we would never go to the Lord in prayer. And that's just a sad, sad truth yeah. and reality whether we want to admit it or not. And I'll let you throw in here for a moment, brother, and we're going to look at a few passages from the Bible, from the Lord, to see what exactly the Word of God has to say about prayer. Amen. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that, when it comes to this particular subject, um as uh, our friend uh, Savage, you know, brought to our attention was this idea of is are there things that are too small to pray about? Um, and I think the example you read is like, you know, getting a hangnail. And so I think one of the first things is we need to address is this idea of um, something being too small or too unnecessary to bring to the Lord. Let me just start by saying there are no big prayers. <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to sound really weird, but you're, you're like, well, wait a minute. You know, it's it's a huge prayer for me to to bring my unsaved loved one before the Lord and and, and pray for their salvation. From our perspective, absolutely, it's a major prayer. But who are we praying to? We're praying to the God of the universe, the one who created all things by the you know by the the you know, very spoken word. He you know, it takes no energy. He loses nothing in creation. He sustains it by the word of his power. All he has to do is say, let go, and it's gone. So this idea that we as finite created human beings are bringing these massive prayers before the Lord, where he's looking at, well, that's a big prayer and that's high priority. And this is a little prayer and it's really not a big deal. So I'm not going to listen. That's putting a category that is our perspective on a God who does not operate in the way that we do. So you might, for example, work at a job where the first thing you have to do in the morning is come in and you know, open your emails and, and det determine what's a high priority item, what's a secondary priority, what's a low priority. Let me do that with my voicemails. Let me grab these messages. And you may have to organize them as to what needs your immediate attention, what's a major project issue that has to be resolved right now. And, oh, uh, we need more pens for the supply room. I'm not dealing with that right now. You know, that's how we will tend to look at things because as finite human beings, we have to manage our time. We have to manage our energy. We have to manage the, the things that have higher priority. But before the Lord, it's all small. Now, salvation is a huge thing. Don't, don't, miss, don't hear me say what I didn't say. Okay, don't, don't hear me say that, something that's not coming out of my Don't hear that. What I'm saying is salvation is a big thing. But salvation... <clears throat> is to a sovereign God who is sovereign over all mankind, all of history, all of uh, eternity, that is part of his preordained plan. It's part of his part of his sovereign will that he works all things. So we're praying for a person's salvation, for example, but how, what all what things go into bringing that person there that we don't know about? What issues in that person's life occur that maybe we'll never be privy to? You know, 
the flat tire that causes them to lose a job, that causes them to not pay their bills, that causes them to you know lose where they're living, to where they're now down on their knees with nowhere else to go but to God. So a prayer for a flat tire doesn't seem like high priority to you or me, but that incident started is was a start of something that God may be using in that person's life, if, if you guys are understanding what I'm saying. So my point in all this is everything that occurs in our lives to us has categories of higher and lower importance. But in the eyes of God, who is you know this who's all powerful, omnipresent, omniscient, and, and and sovereign over all things, all of it is that there's none of it that has those categorizations in the way that we would see them. So a person who may be using the hangnail description, who may be asking for prayer because of a hangnail, maybe that hangnail is causing serious pain and you know making it difficult to do their job. So we think, well, hangnail, that's a silly thing to pray for. But for them, that's a major issue. All right? <clears throat> We're going, but my neighbor, he's going to lose his job and he can't pay his rent. And I got to pray for that. Well, that's a major issue for them, for that person. And, and But in the eyes of God, they are of the same importance, right? All because everything that occurs in our lives is occurring according to his sovereign decree and plan. So I just want to kind of reframe the, uh, the idea of big prayer, small prayer. Not to say that there there aren't ways in which we come before God for prayer that could maybe that's an inappropriate prayer and we can get to that we'll get into that in a second. But the idea of well, is it really necessary to pray for a hangnail or is it really necessary to pray that my neighbor's dog, uh, you know, uh, uh, is gets over the, you know, or, or is, you know, is able to feel better because he ate uh, their child's chew, uh, toy and thought it was a chew toy. And now he's got upset stomach. Does, does Boy, that seems like just a, not necessary to pray for. Well, if, if you, if you're looking at it from the perspective where you're sitting, you might think that, but from the, you know, from the eyes of eternity before a sovereign you know, almighty God, all of it, would if we if we use those categories, all of it would be inappropriate. But God values everything that we bring before Him because we are called to bring our petitions before the Lord. We are called to bring our our anxieties and lay them upon Him. We are called to bring our joy and our praise before Him. We're called to bring our uh, our petitions, our concerns before Him in prayer. And nowhere in Scripture does it say, well, don't pray for this thing that's too small. Don't pray for this because that's too big for God. None of that is brought. are we told to, to, to do. What we are told is to bring our petitions before the Lord and to do so with thanksgiving, which we talked about in a previous program. That you know we are to cast our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. We are bringing those concerns before him because he loves us. God desires us to pray and be in communication with him because he loves us. So just like when your child may stub his toe and you you and I might think, well, you know, it's a silly thing to watch a, a grown man lose his mind because he stubbed his toe. But when your two-year-old child stubs his toe and is in pain, you love that child. You come to that child. You comfort that child, right? Because of your love for that child. You may laugh if you see the, you know, your, uh, your uh, co-worker do it. You don't have that same level of love or concern. It's, to you, now it looks hysterical. But when it's your child, someone you care for, and, and this analogies all break down, so I understand I'm, I mean, this is just to try to paint a picture. There's that relationship. You want to be there for that child and care for that child. You are a child of God. You are purchased by his son through his shed blood. This Lord has called you to pray to him and be in communication with him and to pray for the needs of the saints. So all of it in the eyes of God it doesn't have that those categories that we like to apply to them. It's not to say that there aren't things that <clears throat> might be 
hey, I, I'm going to be spending a lot of time praying for my um, uh, prodigal child, for example, or praying for my my sick spouse. As, and, and so there, there's nothing wrong with making that a priority to pray for. You may have way things that's like, and, oh, and by the way, Lord, I want to bring my my friend Jim to you because, you know, he's, uh, you know, he sprained his wrist and it's making it difficult for him to work right now. There, you may find places where you are going to, to some extent, categorize your prayers where you're putting a lot of your energy, and that's fine. But it doesn't mean that Jim's sprained wrist is somehow unimportant, if that makes sense. Am I, am I making sense on this, Rich? Yes, brother. I, I really think that you are. Um, from one perspective, you know, if I see someone make a prayer request because they have a lost puppy, in my mind, I may think, well, that's kind of a silly thing to pray for. But if it was my daughter or my granddaughter's puppy, it would affect me different and I would respond differently than a, say a stranger. But in a situation like this, and I'm going to share a true story. It was part of one of my family members. They lost a puppy. They asked for prayer that the puppy be found. There was some snickering in replies that I can't believe you would ask for the Lord to bless you for your puppy to come home. Well, the puppy did come home a few years later after the puppy's grown into a dog. I think it was like three years later. The, some children were outside playing, family members that were children at the time, were outside playing, and the dog was outside playing with them and kind of just looking, surveying the landscape because the dog was really close to these children. Well, the next thing we know, this dog, has went and got into a fight with a copperhead snake. The dog killed the snake, and where the snake was headed towards was where one of the small children was playing. That dog ended up killing that snake. The question is, if that puppy had never came back home, would there have been a dog available and blessed to this family to guard those children to prevent one of those children from being bit from that snake? The point of that is something like that, we never know how the Lord may use it somewhere down the road. You know, something as simple as someone requesting prayer that they find their cell phone. You know, that's really common nowadays. Some of us lose our cell phones or drop them mm -hmm. or, you know, something happens and we can't find it. But, but in today's world, if a young lady ends up not being able to find her cell phone, leaves her home without it, could end up in a situation where not having the cell phone with her could get her in a lot of trouble if she's attacked or something like that happens. You know, it's a matter of perspective in one way. You know, you know something like the example used, like a hangnail. You know, it, it's kind of a matter of perspective. If it's not affecting us or our immediate family, a lot of times we kind of think that's, well, not necessarily below us but think well that's kind of a small silly thing to ask for prayer but it's a matter of perspective from the person making the request because we never know what that situation all completely involves but before i go any further i'd like to share a couple of verses about prayer that i think will help us be able to expand on this discussion one of them is first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And we look back into, I think it was Matthew I'm sorry, I didn't have this one in my notes. It just came to me. But the Lord said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. There's two aspects in all of this. First, in Philippians and Thessalonians, it said, in all things, in all ways, 
And guess what that means? That means in all things and always, all of our supplications, meaning take all of our concerns, all of our worries to Christ. There's no clause in there that says, well, you can only take something that's this important and above to the Lord, but at this level and below, it's not worthy of the Lord's time. So just keep that to yourself and just deal with it. No, it says in all things and in all ways. And what you were saying earlier, brother, is very true. For us, there are things that seem like, okay, this is a major prayer. But if you look at it in contrast to the to the glory of God and his majesty, and he being the one who created all things, in that perspective, everything, every prayer we make to God, would be extremely minute in comparison to his majesty and his glory and to all of his creation. So in one way you could put it that everything we pray is a small prayer in the eyes of God because he's so far above us. Mm -hmm. But in another way we could put it is that there's no such thing as small prayers because God's love for his chosen children for those that he has accepted, for those that are known by God, his love for them is so great that he doesn't consider any request by them as small, yeah. if that makes any sense. Um, and I'll let you respond back, but this kind of is where I was really wanting to emphasize is in this next section. But at this point, would you like to add something? No, I, I mean, I think I, it's going exactly on point with what we uh, just said a minute ago, that there are no big or small prayers. These are God's call to us. To He wants to hear from us. He desires to hear from us. And so Scripture's clear. Bring those petitions before him. So, yeah, keep going, brother. Well, but it gets back to... It's not a matter of whether this is a small prayer or a big prayer for someone who is a who is addicted to gambling, who has taken out a second mortgage on their home, who has made a place to bet on say football games. You know, we're just coming out of all the conference championships games and it's been big and you know, talking about the national championship and all this. And there are people who wager on such events and some people wager huge amounts on such events, but take, for example, someone who has taken out a second mortgage on their home has placed a hundred thousand dollars wager on a football game. They're, you know, have placed it with some illegal bookie. And if they don't win, if they can't cover the bet, they're going to either get put in the ground, buried, or they're going to get beat up, or something major is going to happen to them, or they've placed this bet because, you know, there's a car or a boat or something they want that is so extravagant that they cannot afford it, and they're willing to gamble everything they own, they own in order to obtain this. And that man is, is so desperate, he's pleading and begging God to let his team win by three points so he can cover the spread and win this wager. Okay. For that man, that is a huge prayer. His life, his income, his home, his family, everything is riding on that wager he placed. But that would be a very tiny prayer in the eyes of God, because it is not a biblical prayer, because this man has done all this, and in his eyes, this is actually a huge prayer. But the problem isn't the size of the prayer. The problem is the motives of that prayer. So there are no small prayers, only really sinful motives, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I think that's really what it boils down to is, what is the motivation of our prayers? You know, I, if if you pray for the Lord to help you, for example, using kind of using the example you just gave, uh, 
with finances to to care for your family. You're, you're, you know, the economy is difficult. Where you know it's making it harder and harder to make ends meet, and you're praying that the Lord uh, provide. That that's a big deal. However, if then you take that to the next step, which is so. Therefore, Lord, bless this this gambling bet. I put everything I had into this to cover. Hold on a second. You know, we are to be, you know, scripture speaks to how we handle our, our finances. Are, are you now, instead of working hard to provide for your family, you're now going to a sinful practice and a, a get rich quick scheme to cover your, your, your finances you're now using God as a mechanism to further something you should not do. That's a huge problem. Now you've you've gone away from taking your petitions for the Lord and you're asking the Lord to bless something you ought not be doing. And that's where um, you know once we get into the reasoning and the motivation for prayer, that's where I think the issue becomes, of more concern, you know, that we, you know, we go back to that, um, hangnail example, you know, a person who's has a painful hangnail, maybe it's getting infected, maybe it's, it's getting difficult to work. He doesn't have insurance. He doesn't have the finances to go to the doctor to get it cared for. Um, so now you've got this individual who's praying because it's a genuine issue and he's asking for prayer because it's it's a genuine issue, and therefore the Lord we're asking the Lord to, to to take care of this individual. There there's legitimacy from a biblical perspective behind that prayer, but I'll pray for this hangnail. It makes my hand look terrible. I mean, I I work really hard to keep my hands clean and nice and presentable, and this hangnail just looks terrible. Well, that's vanity, right? You know, so it, we're and we're being kind of overly broad there, but here's a, a, a the the motivation behind it is now vanity. Well, the scriptures speak to that. You know, the scriptures say that we are not to draw attention to ourselves, to to pr- uh, present ourselves in such a way that the all our eyes are on us, rather than us being a signpost to the Lord, so to speak. So if my motivation for the hangnail is because I just, I don't want people to see that they might think badly of me that I don't, that I don't take care of myself. Well, now you have a pride issue. So now we're, the motivation for the prayer is for God to take care of my situation. So I look good. That's where the problem is, lies in uh, the the idea of a, a prayer being inappropriate or something ne- that ought not be brought before the Lord. Now, now, if you've got somebody who's asking you to bring those kind of prayers and petitions before the Lord, we might want to sit down and take time and say, brother, sister, let's talk about the nature of this prayer. Because I, I have genuine concern that if your, if your des- uh, desire um, is to just look good, before the Lord or before the world, and you just want this hangnail fixed so it looks better, brother, sister, where's your heart here? Now I think we we address the the real issue is what is the motivation? Why are they bringing it? Or that they're bringing they're treating prayer in a flippant manner. Man, I can't think of anything to pray for. My life's just perfect. You know what? Pray for my hangnail. Well, that's a problem. That's that's treating prayer as though it's really unimportant. That you can't think of anything in your life that you should bring before the Lord. So the only thing that's worth praying about is, well, can you fix this hangnail for me? I would have an issue with that because, again, it goes back to the heart and the motivation of why you are praying for something or how you even view prayer. Rich, what do you think? Absolutely, brother. And I think this really points back to James chapter 4, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. I think that's this verse has application to our discussion 
is that, you know, it gets back to, you know, what we said earlier, there's no small prayers, only sinful motivations. And I think this verse applies to that because, you know, the the book of James is addressing, or James is addressing praying and not receiving. It's not because the Lord has rejected us. It's because we're praying for something that is in a way, or praying for something that does not glorify Christ. We're asking for something to indulge our flesh. Mm-hmm. We're asking the Lord to grant us a blessing, not because we want to help someone else, but basically because we want to spend it on our flesh, spending on spending it on our pleasure, spending it, or or get, being granted something just for to satisfy satisfy our own sinful desires. Um, and I really think that that gets back, you know, up to a lot of what we were discussing. But what we really need to look at also within this is, you know, what I said earlier, that truth be told, most of us would not go to the Lord in prayer if there was not those big, huge moments in our lives that someone's sick or something, you know, drastic is going on or a trial or affliction. But there's a few things in in praying daily, even praying what we want to, in our minds, we may consider, quote unquote, those little things. It gets back to developing a habit, but more importantly, it's ex- exhibiting and developing our dependency on God, not only to help us during the trials and the quote-unquote big things, but to sustain us in the small little things every day that we may take for advantage. I mean, when's the last time any of us thank the Lord for every breath that we take and for every heartbeat that we have? I mean, is that a small prayer or is that a biblical prayer giving Mm -hmm. thanks to the Lord for blessing us bread and, and life? And, you know, in the Bible it says that these people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's another aspect of this, you know, when it comes to sinful prayers, is people's hearts are not set on God, it's set on themselves. It's set on self-satisfaction, it's set on, you know, fleshly desires, worldly desires. But prayer helps us acknowledge and grow our dependence on God, you know, and, and if, for lack of a better way of putting it, even the small prayers, you know, it keeps us in conversation with God, you know, making our supplications known to him, going to God with our daily problems, our issues, our worries, our concerns, you know, and we need to remember that God doesn't despise when we pray like a child. In fact, the Lord himself said that we should have faith like a child. You know, I have three small grandchildren, and I would never take anything lightly that they came to me and said, you know, Papa, can you help me fix this? It may not be anything but popping a wheel back on a toy. You know, that's nothing, you know, that's small, that's simple. But for them at that moment, that's something really important. And I know that's a very small example, but, you know, a child will come to us, whether it be our child or grandchild, a niece, nephew, or, you know, family member or a child in in church. They come to us, they have childlike faith because they are children. They assume that this adult is going to help them. They don't, you know, hesitate. You know, they, they'll more times than not unless it's a really small, shy child, you know, children are known to blurt out almost anything, anytime, anywhere. I know that from experience. But that that kind of is an example of coming to Christ with our childlike faith, coming to him even with what we might consider, you know, that that's really beneath God, that's really beneath Christ. Should I really be praying to the Lord that our power comes back on tonight? Or, 
whatever other example you want to come up with. And one thing, too, it shows that we really true do trust in God in every aspect in our life, that we are submitting to God as sovereign over all things, that God is sovereign over not only the big things in our lives, but God is also sovereign over all those small, little, tiny things in our lives. And he's especially sovereign over those, quote-unquote, little things in our lives that he does for us that we're never even aware of. And I think that's one aspect of this that we need to kind of take away from this, that especially in this day and age, more people think of God as a genie in a magic lamp that, you know, we go to God and he grants our wishes. But but that is a sinful way to approach prayer and approach looking at God. And we just need to know and understand that nothing is outside of God's care and nothing is outside of God's control, even when it comes to something as simple as perhaps a, a hangnail. But the point that we need to remember is, and we need to ask ourselves and examine in ourselves, when we go to Christ in prayer, are we going to Christ in a way that glorifies him, or are we going, or are we going to Christ asking for something just to help fuel our own sinful desires, brother? Amen. Amen. And I think that's one of the things that you know we need to remember is that are we bringing our prayers, as you say, in a manner that glorifies God? One of the ways we do that is that when we pray, we don't treat God as some sort of cosmic genie that we prayed the right spiritual rub on the rant lamp or a cosmic vending machine. We prayed the right spiritual change and got the, the the product we wanted. And that's one of the things that we see that is so atrocious about things like the health, wealth, prosperity gospel, for, for example. You know, your words contain power, and, it, and God, if you have faith and declare it, God will do. That is, that is not only not glorifying to God, it's blasphemous. It's making God your servant that he must do these things. He's bound to do these things as long as you have faith and use the right spiritual genie magic to make it happen. Rather, the the God-honoring prayer is one that sees God as the all-powerful, almighty God of the universe who is our Lord and our Master, who has purchased us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and has redeemed us into his family. And so when we pray, we come as humble servants to the Lord, bringing our petitions and our prayers before him, recognizing that it is we are asking him to do things according to his purpose, according to his goodwill, and a willingness to submit to whatever he decides to do, or I should not even say decides, but declares he will do. Meaning, if God says he will grant the petitions of our prayer, we give praise and glory to God rather than uh, you know, be all stoked that we got what we wanted. Rather, this is, the, this is the mercy and the grace of God that he's answered this prayer in this way, but also that it is right and good if God says no. If God does not heal your loved one in a miraculous way, if God does not prevent the loss of your job, if God allows this tragedy or difficulty to occur in your life, it is according to his good will and his perfect plan, which is meant for his glory and your ultimate good. And when we pray, we are praying that the Lord would conform us to his image so much that even when we are denied the petition of our prayer, because that is not what is best for us, even though it is going to be difficult for what we're about to go through, when it is painful for what we're going to go through, that we say glory to God and for his will to be done. That is a God-honoring prayer. And I think that's one of the things that, again, goes back to the heart of what we're talking about. What, why are we praying what we're praying? What is the reason? What is the motivation? And what are we seeking to do? If you are seeking to simply benefit yourself because, man, this is what I want, or you look at God as kind of just cosmic bellhop to responding to your commands, 
or you treat prayer so flippantly that it's just unimportant to you that you can't even humble yourself to bring and 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 bring yourself before him to say this is the almighty god of the universe i'm speaking to and you do it just like it doesn't matter you know that's when you're talking about prayers that are so little that are so unimportant that are so um not honoring to god that he he doesn't even need to give it a response right and I think there's one other thing that we need to remember, Rich, is that prayer is the Christian's communication with his Lord and Savior. Prayer for someone outside of Christ is, a, apart from a prayer of repentance and faith, is pointless. Because pr- now, God, by his common grace brings his reign upon the just and the unjust, as Scripture tells us. In other words, he provides for all of humanity in some form or fashion. In fact, it is often the refrain, we even see it in the Psalms, of why is the evil man blessed in this way? Why does he have success in this life? Well, it's the only good he's going to have. Because in eternity, all that... He he uh, he enjoyed in this life was it will be stripped from him and he will spend eternity in hell. But the prayer of one who is not in Christ is speaking to oneself because you are not in submission to the Lord. You are uh, an unsaved, unregenerate rebel, and God has no need to hear or listen to or respond to those prayers. Now, might God in His grace do something out of kindness? Sure. When we see, uh, 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 you know, an unregenerate person who clearly hates the Lord, but he his child is sick with a, a devastating disease, and we pray for that person, or this person is asking for prayers, and he or he's he said I I've, I've even started praying, and the Lord heals that child. Is that God's grace? Yes, it's his mercy, it's kindness. Maybe it will drive this man to repentance. But God is not required to answer the repair of the unregenerate. And so prayer is the Christian's communication with his Lord and Savior. It is a privilege that we are given direct access to the throne room of God, that we can come before the throne of grace boldly because we have been redeemed. We didn't have that before. We didn't have that uh, when we were rebels against Christ, when we were shaking our fists at the heavens and demanding that the that God uh, you know, just take us as we were or let us live our lives and how dare you command me. And yet God in his mercy redeemed us. So in our unregenerate state, we had no right to speak to the Lord. We had no no ability. But in his grace and his mercy, he redeems us and he brings us into that throne room. And now we can approach him with no fear, with nothing but gratitude and love and humility. Hey, so, brother. Yes. One thing, too, that in today's world is lost is, is understanding a monarchy or understanding when the New Testament was written and the thought of for the Gentiles and the Romans to be able to just walk in and appear before Caesar and make their plea or looking at the Old Testament, only the high priest could enter the tent and mm-hmm. then, you know, make the supplications for the people. Only Moses could go and speak for the people. In as a Christian, we don't have to be concerned about basically, you know, put it in modern terms, we don't have to be concerned about all the red tape. We don't have to wait our turn. We can go to Christ in prayer now because we are saved. We are secure. We can approach his throne of grace because we are redeemed. We are known by our Lord and Savior. We are saved in him, by him, through him, for him, for his glory. In the times when the Old Testament was written, 
the individual could not approach God. In the times of the New Testament, an individual could not go and approach a king. An individual could not go and approach Caesar, Caesar unless they were some nobleman or, a, or of high birth or during the times of, of, you know, of England. You know, a peasant could not just walk up to the castle, knock on the door, and ask to make their pleas before the king because their neighbor was doing this, this, or this. And I think some of the understanding from the Bible has possibly been lost in our day and age because we, we can't comprehend the imagery of kings and servants and what people were known by as lords and different titles and whatnot. But we can go before the throne, the throne of grace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords in prayer and supplication because we are saved in him. And Christ, as being, being truly saved in him, Christ will hear all of our prayers. Now, the answer will be yes, no, or wait. But regardless of what the outcome of our prayers are, we can be confident that Christ does hear our prayers, and he will answer our prayers in a way that is best, not only for us, but in a way that will bring glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Folks, um, as we wrap this up, I just want to encourage you to— we have this glorious privilege to come before the throne of God and bring our prayers, our worship, our petitions, our requests, all of it to the God of the universe. And he's given us not only the ability, but the privilege to do so and calls on us to do so in Scripture, as, as Rich read in, in various places. That is our right and our privilege as redeemed children of God. Let us not neglect it, but also let us not misuse it for our own personal gain or treat it flippantly as if it's not this amazingly immense privilege and when we pray, let us come in a manner in which we are seeking to be conformed to the will of God. That no matter what we request, no matter what our petitions are, which by the way, it, yes, we are commanded to bring our petitions before the Lord, but prayers are also thanking God for what he's done. Prayers are also praising God for who he is. Prayers are, you know, Pray, you know, praying his promises back to him in Scripture. Prayers are also, Lord, change me. Lord, help me become more like Christ. It's not just about the things that we, we seek in our daily life, though we are uh, given that privilege to do so, but it is also speaking to God about who he is and how amazing he is and what he has done for us, and, and, and a, a prayer of thankfulness for those things. Let us treat prayer rightly. Don't think that you can't pray something because it seems too small, because all prayer is small before a holy God. But don't be so presumptuous to think that your prayer is so big that God just has to answer it. Rather, treat prayer as the privilege it is and this gracious opportunity given to us by the Lord and let that change you so that you pray in the way that we are called to pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, meaning in his nature and his character in a manner that's consistent with who he is. If you pray that way, no matter how you seem to categorize your, your level of prayer, you are using it rightly. And I think that's what we want people to take away. Rich, any last thoughts? Well, I just would like to encourage all of our listeners, besides make it a point to pray 
each day multiple times, but whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the biblical way of salvation at least once a day. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you for spending time with us this week. We are so grateful for you. Please remember to check the show notes. Um, that booklet out of monergism.com will be in the show notes. I think it will, if you click on it, it's going to come up as a PDF. So it won't go to a web page where you download it. Literally opens it as a PDF. So I will put that in the show notes. And also the uh, remember the theology throwdown uh, episode if you want to hear a roundtable discussion about Christmas and Christmas traditions. I think you'll be blessed by that discussion. So I want to encourage you to do that. Thank you for spending time with us. We are so grateful for you. We hope this discussion on prayer has been a blessing to you and encourages you to spend more time in a biblical way, in a God-honoring way, bringing your petitions before the Lord. We look forward to speaking with you next time. God bless you. Good night. We'll see you next time.